Hello and welcome to another episode of High Low with Emrata. If this is your very first time listening, thank you for coming here. It's so great to have you here. And hello if you are a regular listener who's been here from the start. I'm really happy you're all here. So this is the Thursday episode. This is the solo episode where I pose a question and we investigate it. It's called Emrata Asks. And on Tuesdays, I sit down with a guest to talk. On the most recent episode, we had Tan France. thought that was a great conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I also do a third episode every week called Talk Back. That's a subscription episode where I hear from all of you. If you go to hilo.fm, you submit your voice notes. I use them and open up the conversation a bit. It's really nice. So subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or at hilo.fm to listen to that special episode every Thursday. You'll hear some of your own voice notes in today's episode, actually. If you want to tell me what you think about this episode, go to hilo.fm to send me your messages, and I will incorporate them in the subscription episode or in next week's Solo Thursday Amrata Asks episode. So on today's episode of Emrata Asks, I am asking, what is imposter syndrome and how can we overcome it? All right, let's get into it. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Okay, so in case you missed it, last week I had the recently retired image architect, Law Roach, celebrity stylist. He styled Zendaya, Hunter Schaefer, Meg Thee Stallion. Um, he came on the podcast on Tuesday. And I heard from a lot of you that you found it really fascinating that Law didn't even know what a stylist was or that being a celebrity stylist was a job um, when he first started and that he just knew he wanted to do it. And he kind of, we had ended up having a conversation where he was talking about fake it till you make it. So he came to New York and someone was asking him, what he did. And they were like, oh, are you a stylist? And he just said, yes. And then they said, are you local? And he said, yes, even though he was not living in New York City. And he said, fake it till you make it. So we'll listen to this little piece from the episode here um, where he's talking about that. Fake it till you make it. That's how we, that, me and saying I was a stylist and taking these meetings, I didn't know anything. Zendaya always tell the story. She was like, girl, when you first started working with me, you didn't even have safety pins. Oh like, I didn't know anything. I was green. I was literally faking it till I make it. So this interview really got me thinking about faking it till you make it and how so many people do that, but actually just think they're the only ones faking it till they make it. I've definitely experienced imposter syndrome. Actually, 
probably in everything that I do, whether it be from modeling or when I was writing my book, probably was the most recent experience I had with imposter syndrome where I just really love reading and really respect writers and thought, oh my God, even to this day, seeing my book, it was a success. It was a New York Times bestseller. It doesn't matter. There's still a part of me that's like, well, you won't be the real thing until you write your second book. Um, Or, you know, just little ways of cutting myself down. Well, it was only a book of essays. It's not really a book or whatever. And trying to convince myself that I'm an imposter, that I'm not actually a writer. Or with modeling, I'm always like, oh, I'm not a typical, you know, tall model. So I somehow stuck into this industry even though I've been modeling for more than half my life now. And I still have this feeling of like, someone's going to find me out and call me out for basically faking it. So I just started thinking about that and then talking about it with some of my friends and realizing that so many of us have it and that actually a ton of really successful people have it. People that you would think they're the epitome of a writer or they're the ultimate example of a fine actor or, um, of a successful business person and they have imposter syndrome. So I wanted to get into this kind of thing that seems to be really rampant, but yet makes us feel so alone and like we're faking it. Psychology Today describes imposter syndrome by saying that people who struggle with imposter syndrome believe that they are undeserving of their achievements and the high esteem in which they are, in fact, generally held. They feel they aren't as competent or intelligent as others might think, and that soon enough people will discover the truth about them. Those with imposter syndrome are often well accomplished. They may hold high office or have numerous academic degrees. This is kind of a weird stat. I don't know how exactly they judge this, but around 25 to 30% of high achievers may suffer from imposter syndrome. I don't know what a high achiever is, but still interesting. And around 70% of adults may experience imposterism at least once in their lifetime, research suggests. I honestly bet that stat's higher. I feel like what person can't relate to that feeling of knowing that you are prepared for something, knowing that you're good at something, but feeling like, you know, you don't belong there. I don't know. I feel like most people I know have experienced that. So let's talk about how imposter syndrome came about. We are looking at a New Yorker article that is called Why Everyone Feels Like They're Faking It. It's by Leslie Jameson, who's actually one of my favorite writers. I talk about her a lot on the podcast. She wrote The Empathy Exams, which is one of my favorite books of essays. I highly recommend everyone should read it. Let's get into what Leslie Jameson says in this piece. So there are two psychologists, Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Ms. I-M-E-S. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. The imposter phenomenon in high-achieving women, dynamics, and therapy intervention was their study. They wrote that women in their sample were particularly prone to an internal experience of intellectual phoniness, living in perpetual fear that some significant person will discover that they are indeed intellectual imposters. But it was precisely this process of discovery that helped Pauline and Suzanne formulate the concept as they recognized these feelings in each other and in their students. And they realized they'd been basically having this feeling their entire lives. So it came out in 1978 in the journal Psychotherapy Theory, Research, and Practice. For decades, These two women saw their concept steadily gain traction. In 1985, Clance 
published a book, The Imposter Phenomenon, and also released an official IP scale for researchers to license for use in their own studies. But it wasn't until the rise of social media that the idea, which has now been rebranded and titled Imposter Syndrome, really exploded. So obviously these two women felt like this was a really heavily female experience or maybe specifically female experience. So I want to talk a little bit about this and ask the question, are women actually more affected by imposter syndrome? So this article on hbr.org, it's about this. And what they're saying in this article is that this original study, these two women did not factor in the effects of systemic racism, classism, xenophobia, and other biases, and took a fairly universal feeling of discomfort, second-guessing, and mild anxiety, and pathologized it, especially for women. And basically, this article is saying the answer to overcoming imposter syndrome is not to fix individuals, but to create an environment that fosters a number of different leadership styles and where diversity of racial, ethnic, gender, I would even say class, is just viewed as normal. And I think this was something that Law was touching on, too. We didn't necessarily speak specifically about race and faking it, but I do think that, obviously, all of those things play a part in why people experience imposter syndrome. So imposter syndrome is especially prevalent in biased, toxic cultures that value individualism and overwork. Hello, America. (laughs) Yet the fix women's imposter syndrome narrative has really persisted decade after decade. I feel like I hear white women in particular always talking about imposter syndrome. And I think there's also something to be said to the fact that women who are in very close proximity to power because they are white women have that kind of feeling of there's just this nagging thing that like doesn't let me be quite like these evil shitty men. Not that they're all evil and shitty, but just these powerful men basically. And so I think that's kind of why maybe we hear it. This is just my own two cents. Um, But it's interesting. We see inclusive workspaces as a multivitamin that can ensure that women of color can thrive rather than focus on fixing imposter syndrome, professionals whose identities have been marginalized and discriminated against must experience a cultural shift writ large. So basically like this kind of feeling of like, oh, we can make sure we have diversity hires, which is, again, I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast, like with fashion and the industry, this sort of like, oh, if there's just, there's more, you know, representation in the workforce. Yes, that's helpful. But overall, this is a systemic issue that needs to be addressed. And especially when it comes to the people who are at the top of these companies and who are bosses. So this is what this article says. Leaders must create a culture for women and people of color that addresses systemic bias and racism. Only by doing so can we reduce the experiences that culminate in so-called imposter syndrome among employees from marginalized communities, or at the very least, help those employees channel healthy self-doubt into positive motivation, which is best fostered within a supportive work culture. And then maybe we could stop misdiagnosing women with imposter syndrome once and for all. I like this article. It's very sassy. So speaking of many of the prevalence of women and imposter syndrome, there was a article in the New York Times called How to Overcome Imposter Syndrome Guides, where they just had a bunch of celebrities speaking on imposter syndrome. Maya Angelou, she's a prize-winning author, 
once said after publishing her 11th book that every time she wrote another one, she'd think to herself, uh oh, they're going to find out now I've run a game on everybody. So maybe writing a second book won't even help me. I keep thinking like, oh, if I write fiction, maybe that will make me feel like I'm a real writer. I don't know. Tina Fey, the comedian, said the beauty of the imposter syndrome is you vacillate between extreme egomania and a complete feeling of I'm a fraud. Oh my God, they're on to me. I'm a fraud. I think that to be a successful person, you have to sometimes be a little bit delusional because you actually have to think that you're going to achieve the thing that you set out to achieve, which is sort of delusional. Like believing in yourself requires a certain amount of fantasy, basically, which can be very ego-based. And that's been my experience. I mean, I have said this multiple times. If I had sat down and said to myself, okay, you're going to write a book right now. I would have never written it. I basically tricked myself into thinking like, you're writing, you're just writing some stuff. You're writing an essay. You're writing another essay. Who knows if they'll ever go together? And that's how I was able to finally write a book. I was by basically tricking myself because I'm not as good at the fantasy side of this stuff. Michelle Obama, former first lady, she um, has spoken and written about how as a young woman, she used to lie awake at night asking herself, am I too loud, too much, dreaming too big? Eventually, I just got tired of always worrying what everyone else thought of me, she said. So I decided not to listen. It's interesting the kind of way that I feel like these women are describing imposter syndrome going hand in hand with this kind of delusion and, you know, the confidence and the belief that you can do things, even the sort of opposition to imposter syndrome, right? The voice inside you that says, no, you can do it. And maybe even the fact that you feel like you have to prove something to yourself to to prove to yourself that you're not an imposter, that you actually are smart or you actually are capable or you actually are talented by doing these things. Maybe you have a little bit more of that drive if you are scared of imposter syndrome. Many obviously prominent public figures have admitted to suffering from imposter syndrome. There are also some people who just haven't. (laughs) This is a conversation between Quinta Brunson, who was on Oprah's Super Soul podcast. And Oprah was just like, I've never heard of this term and I had to look it up. I think it's really cool. Quinta says, I'm sure you felt because you worked so hard and you were so good at what you did. It feels well-earned. And Oprah said, I've never had imposter syndrome. And Quinta said, me neither. I think it's my biggest flaw. Oprah said, it's not a flaw. And even when people talk about it, I first heard it. I went and looked it up. And Quinta said, it didn't compute. And Oprah said, just like you, it looked like overnight success. But this has been coming since the first dance recital. I like that. So obviously there's different roads to success. Okay, we're going to take a break and then we will be right back with how to deal with imposter syndrome. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. We are discussing imposter syndrome and how problematic imposter syndrome is, the people who don't have imposter syndrome, the phenomenon of people talking, white women specifically talking about imposter syndrome. So now that we've defined this problem and this thing that a lot of people feel they are suffering from, I want to find some strategies to help us deal with the issue head on. I did what I always do, which is turn to the internet. I found a couple different things. This one TikTok I really liked on how to overcome imposter syndrome. I will play for you. I've decided not to have imposter syndrome anymore because honestly, like if I have somehow swindled everybody into believing I'm like beautiful, smart and talented and like all of my achievements have been done through some clever scheme where I've like slipped under the radar and like bamboozled everyone into liking me somehow, like, like good for her. Am I really going to hoe them around because I'm like so clever I've tricked everyone into loving me? Like. No, that is, that's something to be proud of. So either I'm actually a good person and I actually deserve the things that I've gotten in my life or I'm one of the most brilliant schemers of all time. Like both sides of that coin, I'm winning. So I'm an imposter. I'm a good one. Hashtag villain era. That is from Quinn L. Bishop. And I love that. I think it's a really good thing to just be like, actually, if I'm just a really talented swindler imposter like that's also incredible and that's an impressive freak on its own and I kind of feel that maybe I have fooled everyone into whatever thinking anything about me or having success and good for me that's one way to approach imposter syndrome I like that logic a lot there's also this New York Times article it's working woman's handbook overcoming imposter syndrome I think that what I really like about this they say there's There are ways to overcome feeling like an imposter, beginning by recognizing that it's more than just a feeling. So basically identifying what we did in that second article I referenced at the top of the show, where you realize like this is, you know, a response to a culture and to capitalism where things are individualism is so valued and overwork is so valued. And also if you're a marginalized person in an environment where, you know, there aren't a lot of people who look like you or you can identify with in positions of power, you're very likely to feel like an imposter. So realizing that it's not just like this gut instinct, that it's a response to a real political issue, basically. And then, yeah, this they say, when suffering from self-doubt, it's easy to think that you're the only one who's ever felt that way, but it's not true, which is partly why I wanted to do this episode. Even the most successful, powerful, and accomplished women and men, too, have been unsure of themselves at one point or another. I'm excited to hear from all of you about this episode and hear about your experiences with imposter syndrome and like who surprised you. I feel like there's been moments in my life where there's been someone where I've really looked up to them or thought they were super, super good at something. And then they tell me that they're faking it and that they feel like they're going to be found out. I'm sorry for them, but it's been an experience where I'm like, holy shit, everyone might is feeling this one way or another one. Here's another article from hbr.org. They recommend just like recognizing imposter feelings when they emerge and basically identifying them, being really aware of of your thoughts. And that's always the first step to any change. This is something I've learned in therapy, recognizing your thought patterns and being able to say like, okay, no, this is what I'm doing. This is why my brain is doing this. And then rewriting your mental programs instead of telling yourself that people are going to find you out 
or that you don't deserve success, remind yourself that it's normal not to know everything and that you're learning and that you will find out more as you progress. That's how I feel with this podcast. I don't know shit about podcasting and radio. I mean, I listened to NPR growing up, but that's different. And I'm okay. I'm, I'm learning to be okay with the fact that it will be imperfect sometimes. They also recommend talking about your feelings, always great advice, relating to others who feel like have the same kind of feelings of self-doubt. It's always better to have, obviously, open dialogue rather than have those kind of negative inner thoughts that just fester and grow. Considering the context, I feel like we went over that one, but you know, I think that there are times where you're going to feel out of your depth and self-doubt can be a super normal reaction to those moments, but there will also probably be a million times where you're not out of your depth and you totally can handle it. If you catch yourself thinking that you're useless, reframe it and sort of say to yourself, the fact that I feel useless right now does not mean that I really am or that I usually am. Maybe that's not the right language, but definitely that you aren't actually useless. And then also reframing failure as a learning opportunity. This one's really hard for me. I wonder if you guys relate to this. Um, I have a hard time when I fail, like thinking about it as a, a moment to grow. I can once I reflect on it, but it's I usually continually beat myself up for my failures rather than thinking of them as lessons. And I think that is really critical. Be kind to yourself. The like, again, sounds great. That's really, really hard. Reminding yourself, though, that you are allowed to make small mistakes and forgiving yourself and just like being nice to yourself like you would a friend who makes a mistake. And also remembering to reward yourself and celebrate the things that you get right. Because I think you get so used to like maybe getting things right or doing things right, you never even think, oh my God, wow, I did this thing. They recommend seeking support. I think that's huge. Everyone needs help. Recognize that you can seek assistance, that you don't have to do everything alone. I think this is really great. I have in my life learned to turn to people who maybe know more about a a thing than I do. And my big thing that I really believe as I've gotten older is that there aren't really stupid people. They're just people who are afraid to ask and learn. And, um, I think the smarter the person, the more questions they ask and the more they are not embarrassed of, um, asking questions. I always think it's a sign of intelligence when people know to turn to other people to, for answers and for information. I think the main thing that I really like advice wise is just realizing that we're all maybe experiencing imposter syndrome that people on all different levels in different stages of their life or their careers are faking it till they make it. The more I read about imposter syndrome, the more I see the connection and relationship to confidence and overall self-esteem and actually how it can sometimes be a weird motivator. I think imposter syndrome weirdly has been for me in my life. So in some ways it's a blessing. And then in other ways, it's an awful curse where you know, it just develops this environment that's devoid of confidence, internal environment. But I think that look at Oprah. It's, I'd rather be Oprah. I would rather not slip down that toxic cycle of trying to prove something to myself and then feeling really bad about myself and just be Oprah. I also think just so important to think about the cultural context of these things and remind yourself why you might be having this experience, this sensation. I'm very curious to hear from all of you 
I found a list of books. I know y'all really want my book recommendations. I keep hearing that. I found a list on positivepsychology.com of books on the topic of imposter syndrome. I do recommend first and foremost, this Leslie Jameson piece in the New Yorker. Just if you are curious, I think she does a really interesting job describing these women, but some other ones that are that are on this list that I haven't read, but sound cool. The imposter phenomenon. There's also just advice ones, feeling good, the new mood therapy, the gifts of imperfection, educated, a memoir, the diversity advantage, fixing gender inequality at the workplace, the imposter cure, escape the mind trap of imposter syndrome. Highly recommend diving in a little bit more. I might order some of these myself. So thank you all for listening. I'm hoping you all have thoughts on this topic and I want to hear them. Again, I do a third episode every week. Talk back. It's a subscription episode. Take your voice notes and messages and play them on the show and then answer your questions and respond to them. And sometimes I get some of you on the phone for a chat too. So definitely go to hilo.fm, submit your voice note, talk about your experience with imposter syndrome. Is there anything that I said on this that you agree with, disagree with, or would like to add to? I'd love to hear it. Let's continue the conversation. Go to hilo.fm to send your thoughts on what we've talked about today. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or at hilo.fm to listen every Thursday to that episode. Thank you so much. We are back next week on Tuesday with a guest episode I'm very excited about. And I'll see you then. Have a great weekend. High Low with Emrata is a Sony Music Entertainment, Bitch Era Media, and Something Else production. Our executive producers are me, Emily Radikowski, and Sarita Wesley. And our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsik with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.